And hello, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. Don't adjust that dial, guys. Yes, you can actually see what's going on in the game, and we're not all blocky and whatnot, because we're playing Skyrim. <laughs> That's right, folks. Uh, this is Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes. Stitcher Radio and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Sunday, the 17th of Second Seed, the month of Shadow. And with your Tamriel horoscope, here is Mike. Hello, everybody. Those who celebrate the, the day of birth are expected to be thoughtful and charming. But the presence of the Shadow Constellation covers their true feelings that lie below. The Khajiit which are born this day will show an untypical disinterest in the perception of others. Have a good one. Sounds like most Khajiit. I think most Khajiit just typically are disinterested in anyone else. <laughs> I think this is like, is like when you get the Alphique born, maybe. Ah. The house cat type that really show no interest in anybody else. Well, um, I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Ivarwin, and that right there is hero to many, scholar to all, Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. I shall keep your Sky Shard hunt from happening. Liz and myself had a band of uh, marauders yesterday, and we uh, made sure that uh, EP characters couldn't get their Sky Shard inside of the AZ AD zone. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was fun. That's great. And uh, we've got Battling the Spire and Slayer of Pervy Spider Daedra, Mark Zesenarist. This just in, Pervy Spider Daedras give you information talking like a 1930s radio announcer. News at 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for Mark. I appreciate that. Of course, we'd like to also thank you, our sponsors. Uh, hello there, good sponsors, and thank you, Tweaked Audio, tweakedaudio.com, for best quality headphones and for ultimate sound thank you very much tweaked audio and to audible audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously there was a spider danger talking to giving me information as a 1930s radio announcer that's uh it's different <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what i'm playing anymore man <laughs> this is the same game that had you know the filing cabinets too exactly. i want to know what they're filing in you know tamriel yeah, what's what's going on with filing cabinets? Hey, by the way, guys, if you want to check out Mark's uh, classic Mark, classic Elder Scrolls, um, he does it uh, Mondays now, I believe, at nine thirty p.m. Eastern, right? Yep. At um, and he's doing Battle Spire, which uh, you've got to check this game out. It's it's amazing. Well, it's uh, this is the first time I've ever played this game, and I'm on the third level of the Battle Spire, and it's just it just gets weirder the deeper in you go. It's just <laughs> wow. Is your character like on LSD or something? I, I'm I mean, I've I'm seen on... a couple of the things, and it's yeah. just so weird. Oh God, yes, it's it. The difference between what the game series is now and what it was then is so marked in Battlespire. It's it's just like they decided, you know what? Let's just let's just have fun with this. You know, let's just throw whatever we feel like in at this one moment. <laughs> Because the Mock like Turtle shows up in it, too. The who? The Mock Turtle. Mock? From Alice in Wonderland? And yes. the Looking Glass? Yes. It's a giant turtle. Uh, maybe that's their, their Alice in Wonderland version of, of uh, Tamriel. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just waiting for a Dodge Charger to show up, you know, with the the orange and uh, Confederate flag painted on the top. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me. At the same time, they're they're still using bits and pieces of it in the series. I've just gotten into the Soul Cairn, and that shows up again in Dongard. So good on them. <laughs> I'm gonna sit on the throne and, and rule from on high. I, uh, I, that's exactly what I just did. <laughs> I just plot myself on the throne. Uh, we're here in, um, we're here at the Blue Palace in Solitude, and we've got quite the show lined up for you. Um, number one, again, we just want to, uh, thank our sponsors, Tweaked Audio, tweakedaudio.com. Um, if you're, uh, if you're looking for some headphones, okay, uh, we, we can't recommend more, um, tweakedaudio.com. Their uh, their headphones are highly durable. They've got great sound quality. They'll ship them to you for free, no matter where you live. And uh, we'll get you thirty percent off if you use our code off the record. Um, they come in just you know regular regular earbuds, but then you've also got ones that have a microphone on it, which is great for your cell phone if you're driving. Um, they've got a nylon cord on there, which uh, makes them resistant to tangling. Yeah, so, this flat cord is really cool. Yeah, it, they're they're really an awesome product. You should check them out over at. Tweaked Audio, that's T-W-E-A-K-E-D, audio.com. And, of course, by Audible. Uh, audibletrial.com slash Network is the uh, URL that you're going to need in order to get your free trial uh, of audiobooks. Uh, Audible is a um, they're a uh, audiobook format um, service, and uh, they've got tons and tons and tons of, of, um, of books on their service. You can, you can get educational books as well as... Uh, you know, books about certainly um, the Elder Scrolls novels are on there, uh, Star Wars books, Doctor Who books. I mean, you name it, it's out there on Audible, uh, you know, library of millions of, of uh, audiobooks. And some of them go down to the point where it's like a freaking audio drama. They've got full audio ambiance in the back there. It really sets the uh, the mood and, and uh, the, the voice acting is delivered very well on a lot of these. Uh, so, if you want to get a free download for any book of your choosing there, okay, use the URL, audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, audibletrial.com slash Network. Sign up, you get your free book. There you go. So, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. Speaking of books, uh, with the uh, Tamriel, Tales of Tamriel uh, novel, or um, hardcover for ESO and the upcoming Skyrim thing. If you go over to Amazon uh, or go over to Quest Gaming Network and use our Amazon affiliates link, uh, we can, uh, you know, get you all hooked up there for uh, some um, of the new novels and books over there, the hardcovers, and it helps the show too. So, yeah, you know, I actually just recently used that for um, to buy myself uh, the uh, Rosetta Stone in um, in Spanish. Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm teaching nice. myself Spanish now. So, um, been doing well. I, I bought, I got the, uh, the software on, on Wednesday and today's Sunday, last night, Saturday night, I actually had a, uh, my first conversation in Spanish with somebody at work. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's Rosetta Stone stuff. I mean, you gotta, you gotta dedicate at least 30 minutes a day, um, to, to, to learning a new language. But, um, yeah, you can get Rosetta Stone off of, uh, off of Amazon. And if you go to questgamingnetwork.com, click on our, uh, our Amazon link, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get a little money off. Uh, plus if you're a prime member, you already get free shipping and a little extra money off as well. So, you know, something like, you know, Rosetta Stone, which is 
couple of hundred dollars, you start to whack away a good amount of of uh, of uh, money off that price. Yeah. So it adds up. So yeah, uh, Quest Gaming Network. Click on our sponsors link on the top right, and then just uh, click on um um uh, the Amazon link, and, and there you go. All right, enough of that. I know everyone's eager for us. We got a great show lined up for you guys. We really, really do. Um, Mark, tell uh, tell everyone uh, you know where they can reach us, and then uh, Mike, let let everyone know what we're going to be doing today. Well, of course, if they they can always uh, watch us every other Sunday uh, live at eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash quest gaming network and if they want to email us something because we love we love the letters and we try to read them on the on air uh they can email us at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com and of course if they want to find us on the web they can go to questgamingnetwork.com and fo- to follow us on social media we're at uh at elder scrolls otr on twitter we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork. And we're on Google at google.com slash plus sign questgamingnetwork. Cool. Yeah, so so like I said, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, Mike, tell everyone what we're doing. So today we are in Skyrim, and we're going to play a couple of the quests pertaining to the Wolf Queen. Uh, we noticed that uh, Avarwin's character uh, was in the Blue Palace which is the blue palace really because of the blue domes on top of the palace, not because the palace inside is blue. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you talked to Falk Firebeard already, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, there's a uh, some noises coming out of a cave um, between um, South Drag or between Dragon Bridge and Solitude, and uh, he wants to send you over there to check out what's going on. Uh, in today's show summary, we are going to discuss some key historical figures of Tamriel uh, and maybe get an idea for some of the other uh, episodes that will be coming up. The history of Potema, the wolf of, in the north. In the Cenaris archives, build up and payoffs in the Elder Scrolls. Uh, we have uh, an email that uh, I am really excited about. This email was amazing that we got in. Um, and uh, so with that, uh, you know, what have we been doing this week in discussion topics? Uh, well, for me personally, <clears throat> um, I'm back in uh, Elder Scrolls Online and uh, have been trying to um, do the uh, do the Daggerfall gold content quests for my AD character. Um, I've noticed that you know doing doing those quests, just like I don't know, just like gold content quests, like it, that seems to be the fastest way you can get yourself to VR 14, which is my next goal for my my main character is just to finally hit VR 14 and. It's a race between you and me now, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say you win. <laughs> well, I got, I got, I'm at thirteen point seven five approximately. Okay, all right. No, you're you're winning. You're you're on your way there. Uh, I think I maybe hit like thirteen and a half or or something. Or, no, I'm not even thirteen yet. <laughs> oh, you're not at thirteen. No, not even, but... not even. No, no, not even. Um, I'm at twelve and a half. Well, we, but... we don't have to worry about Rob though, because you know, yeah. You know. It'll take him, you know, ten years to get to VR fourteen. <laughs> he'll probably get kill to, off half of them. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll get to VR ten, and then someone's nose is going to be bothering him, and that one's gone. Uh, no, he's got his girls now. You know, he he's uh he's he's invested in those characters. I think he's ready to settle down. You know, make him uh <laughs> make him respectable. <laughs> Barwin, do you have a bow and arrow on this character? Uh, I think I do, um, but I I don't think my my bow and arrow skill is is high at all. I think it's, it's well, no, like your own personal skill has to be high at this point. Just wondering if you've ever shot any of the eagles out of here. 
Oh, you know what? Um, I did once, like a uh, long time ago. I actually nailed one of these suckers. And you know, uh, I never actually have. Yeah, you know, I mean, you get feathers out of it. Really, it's it's about you it. You get the hawk beak, the feathers. Uh, it's some of the hardest um, 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 alchemy materials to get is is from the hawks. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, you literally either you buy them at the alchemy stores or you have to kill the hawks. Um, the only other place I've ever encountered getting stuff is when you build the house, um, Lakeview Manor, that uh, if you jump out onto the roof, there's a bird's nest where you can get a, a hawk feather on that uh, building. Okay, that's a good tip. Okay. I, I actually have to comment. I have never actually explored the walls of uh, solitude like this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So you're show, you know, I've played this game for a couple of hundred hours and you're showing me stuff I've never seen before. Yeah, Solitude really is gorgeous. Um, oh yeah, they did such a beautiful job with with Solitude, and uh, you know it's the capital of um, of the Empire here in 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 Skyrim, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah. it's good. I stuff. mean, I just love it from the outside where it sits upon the the way the cliff is set up alone. Yeah, it's yeah, the Arch of Solitude. Yep. Yeah, that's our. Um, that's our uh, our Twitch offline image is uh, the Arch of Solitude there with with like some sailboats coming through that that waterway. It's 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 stunning. It really is. And here in Solitude, we have the Blue Palace where we had started the stream, and then while Varwin is running around on the walls, right in front of him right now, you can see the tower that is part of Castle Dower, which is the Imperial stronghold right now. That's where they have their forces, um, but it's also where Potema had uh, set up for her castle. So that was the ruling castle for a long time there. Yeah, so so Potema and uh, the Wolf Queen, same person. Um, so when we say we're doing some of the Wolf Queen quests, really what, what's going to happen is, you know, we're, we're going to show you um, in Skyrim some of the quests that, that pertain to the Wolf Queen, but you're about to learn um, a very interesting and his, uh, historical figure here in Tamriel, which is Potema, the Wolf Queen. Um, you know, uh there's uh there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh discussion on that and um you know you you're going to you're going to find out some really cool stuff believe it or not uh and keep in the back of your mind one person uh, mad uh the the mad king pelagius the 3rd yep just keep yeah. in mind um enough about that uh but enough about me though in my in my gameplay and all that um mark what about you what have you been doing in in game man well, uh, last week I finally hit VR 14 with my character in ESO. Um, Congratulations. Just, just a little bit before Liz. Just a small bit before her. Um, <laughs> ah, ah, she's gonna that was so satisfying to hear now. that you beat her to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I texted, you know, like, yes, VR 14. She's there. Oh, man. I oh, was just saving. I was just saving. I'm almost there. And I was just saving that last little bit for when Avar and her mic were on. Yeah. Good, good job. Good job, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for this headache that's going to be coming in the next time I talk to Liz about this. <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, like, good for you because, because you know, uh, I think. I think some of the uh, some of the guys have, have especially especially Mike over here. By the way, he deserves to take a few shots from you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, they've given to uh, you know uh, lovingly kid you on on uh, when you're not around to defend yourself. So <laughs> I've noticed that. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what was going on last episode. I'm like Jesus, guys. <laughs> But um, I have an easy target. What can I say? No, I, I can tell these guys they uh they they it happens because they you know oh yeah 
They do yeah, it because, yeah, I mean, look what they do to me. <laughs> oh, God, yes. They, they do it because they love you. Oh, yeah. I mean, not a problem. But you uh, so, heard yeah. it last night, you know, there, Liz was like, if a Varwin's here, he would say we should do this. Uh, do, yeah. <laughs> so it was very funny, you know, as to, <laughs> you know, she's trying to lead us and then, you know, critiquing what she thinks that uh, Varwin would have done in the same battle. <laughs> she, she, yeah, I talked to her a little bit after uh, after work last night and she was telling me that and I was actually flattered. I'm like, you know, all the hell you give me, you know what, I think you kind of like me a little bit. She's like, <laughs> 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 I mean, I tell her that, but, you know. <laughs> Because she would have told me I'm an idiot. Head, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I did that. Uh, on Friday, we had uh, Dances with Daggers, um, where myself, Rob, Ray, and uh, Tim from the Sendar Guild, um, we basically go and, and run around. Tim wasn't able to make it, so myself and Rob, we, uh, myself, Ray, and Rob, we all went into Craglorn and uh, started doing some dungeons there. And we just got massacred a couple of times by some Naga. Um, but eventually we were able to power through that and just, you know, just had a, an absolute blast and laughed the entire way. Naga, Naga, not going to work here anymore? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I think it was like these three, um, three Nagas that were in this cave that just, they kept summoning snakes all over the place. Oh, I think so. that's the one that we did there that one time that was hellish. You, me, and Liz, Varwin. Yeah, I so seem to remember hearing something about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We had, you know, we did it with four people. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And then we went back after months of, you know, not being together as a group and just wiped the floor. Yeah, no, we, we kept getting uh, getting massacred. And then we um, we were able to kill one of them and then got massacred. And then we, we sort of... It was kind of getting to the point where we were thinking of moving on, and then we noticed, hey, the one we killed hasn't respawned. Let's try this again. Got him. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you know what's missing? Uh, no, what's that? Well, you're in the uh, Temple of the uh, Divines here. Oh, you mean the, the missing shrine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Shrine of Talos. Yep. Yeah. yeah right there. Actually, I just noticed, I think there's two shrines missing. Uh, look at uh, uh, look to, if you turn to your left, uh-huh. you can see. Yeah, there's there's the one neck between Debella and Zenithar, but on the very very end, um, it, like uh, to the right. Oh no, sorry, I just couldn't see yeah. the. Yeah, no, it, it it's just, a low it was, profile. <laughs> yeah, it oh, was yeah. it was blending with the the marble backing. Yeah, are you talking about the shrine of Mara? Uh, no, no, you know, it was the uh, the other side, the shrine of I think it's RK, the the yeah, horn there's... pouring out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, two but of them no, are no, very yeah. low profile. So, all right, folks. Well, um, let's uh, let's get underway to our first our first discussion topic. Um, unless, I'm, no, Mike, you haven't told us what you've been doing in game. No, I've been telling as as we've been going here. I've been playing ESO for a while. You know, you know, trying to trying to get to level fourteen. You know, in in the mad race that we have going on, and uh, maybe I'll get third. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll get right. the bronze. <laughs> so before we get anything kicked off uh, in regards to to learning about about uh, the Wolf Queen, you know, one of Tamriel's more, more notorious historical figures, um, and before Mike begins his presentation on his research, you know, let's take a minute to think about some of Tamriel's historic figures. You know, I name one or two of our of our favorites. Um, let's uh, uh, let's start with let's start with Mark. You know, what about you? What do you think is uh, is you know, what's one or maybe two of, of your, your favorite historical figures from Tamriel? 
Well, one of my favorite historical figures would, would probably be Mana Marco, just because he's has yeah. had a presence throughout so many of the different games. You know, like he literally spans ages of Tamriel's history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, one of the characters I'm really interested in, and I'm I'm hoping when we get into um, whenever we have a game set in Valenwood that we'll actually get to do something with this guy, is um, someone named the Camoran Usurper. And he was mentioned in Daggerfall as basically this, uh, you don't, we, we never really learned much about him, but he apparently assembled an army of the undead and Daedra and started conquering everything from Valenwood and Hammerfell until he was finally stopped at High Rock. Wow. And like, this was of course during the Imperial, uh, I think it was a little bit before the inter, um, Imperial Simulacrum that occurred during Arena. Or it happened either before or during it. And I'm not really offhand remembering what, what the dates are. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think that that would be a really interesting character to learn much more about. Well, you gave us you gave us a fun fact about the Kamoran Usurper. What's a... Uh, you gave us a fun fact, too, about, about Mana Marco, which is, you know, I, I was actually thinking the same thing yesterday as I was getting ready for work. Um, I was actually thinking about how, how many games... Um, you know, you hear Mana Marco from. I think the only person you hear uh, that is sort of involved in more games would be Baron Zaya. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the evolution of her stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? What's one or two of your favorite Tamrielic historical figures? So I really like uh, the concept with uh, Raymond Cyrodiil. Um And th- there's a couple of little things here and there that... that um, that kind of bug me sometimes, like when we're, when you hear people talking, that uh, before the first empire of Raymond, or the second empire led by Raymond Cyrodiil, the area, area of Cyrodiil actually was the Colovian Highlands and um, um, the Iliac Bay, and I'm blanking on the last area there. It wasn't the unified Cyrodiil that we know of today, um, but, you know, it got its name from him and just the story of him holding off the the first Akaviri invasion and the formation of the the uh, the blades from um, the uh, Akaviri that uh, bowed to him after he used the voice just you know I think there's so many cool things that that are associated with him um, you know as the start as the founder of the second empire of man mm. okay um it, it, one thing I had I had noticed while while doing some some research last night on how I was going to handle my my bits of of today's show, um, I actually <clears throat> I actually couldn't believe how many games Emperor Uriel Septim the Seventh is in. Oh yeah, He's, also known as Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> I I mean. I was kind of floored when I when I figured out that it's um, the the same the same guy uh, in that you meet in um, Oblivion is the same the same emperor you come in contact with in the beginning of Daggerfall. Like that that kind of floored me, but I had no idea. Like he was he was also in um, Arena as well. Yeah, yeah he's he the main save one, him uh, in Arena. He makes a cameo in. 
Oblivion. Oh no, you're mobile. killing a Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> Get him! Well, he started it. <laughs> What'd you do that made him mad? Uh, lived. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I couldn't believe that, but uh, yeah, Emperor Uriel Septim the the seventh is pretty much like the guy in most of these games. Um, but uh, my favorite, I would say, one of my favorites is uh, is Saint Alessia. I love her story. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, talk about talk about a story of of just like you know rags to to riches, and then you know she she really um, she really becomes quite the icon. Oh yeah, no, it's I mean it, it really is um, one of those really wonderful bits of lore that they brought into into the series. Um, actually, with with Uriel, his presence is felt uh, in every in Arena Daggerfall. He's the one that sent the Nerevarine to Morrowind, so he's involved there, and he's also then involved, of course, in Oblivion. So did he really? I didn't really, know that. He's like the important NPC, really, for the first four games. So he so it was a big deal to kill him yeah. off in Oblivion. Yeah, no, like he you know what? Yeah, he is basically the impetus for all four of the first games. <laughs> he sends you have to save him in Arena. He sends you he sends your character out um in Daggerfall. He sends your character to Morrowind in Morrowind. He sends your character or he frees your character technically and sends you out in Oblivion. Wow. So yeah, he really was the one that would get your character moving in all four. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. They should have had him as the ghost, like, you know, here to have you do something. <laughs> the last few years of my afterlife. I have foreseen. All right, guys. Um, uh, what I mean, you know, we've got we've got a little bit of a list here. We didn't even scratch the surface on this list. Oh, so you know, there's so many important characters in the lore of this of uh, of this world. Yeah, uh, let's just let's just call out. You know, um, Mark, why, why don't we you know call out a couple here that you like? You know, Mike, call out a couple here that you like. You know, you don't have to you don't have to give us anything else other than their names, I suppose. Just you know, I just want to make good use of the list that we have. Uh, well, I mean, uh, hunting. From uh, for the uh, mm. for the Red Guards is just a fantastic character. Yeah, um, very important to Red Guards. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the statue of him in the bay at uh, Stros Mackay. You know, there's just that massive statue guarding the bay. Yeah. Um, and of course, Nerevar holds you know sway. You know, like his shadow just looms over all of Morrowind. I'm thinking, you know, with us doing um, a series here in uh, Skyrim for the next couple of weeks or a couple of episodes, we have um, at least two that we can hit on here besides Potema, uh, and that's Pelagius Septim III, the Mad uh, Emperor, and uh, Olaf One-Eye, uh, both of which have quest lines here in Skyrim, uh, and both of which are, you know, fairly important uh, historical figures. Uh, Olaf One-Eye, he was a first-era guy, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. He's uh, one of the founders here in Skyrim, like uh, early on uh, King of Skyrim, High King type of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a, there's a guy from the third era called uh, Gurry Nailface, the Lord of Scurd. Uh, he appears in uh, he's a sort of a sketch in the first guide to the Empire, and it's literally this guy, uh, this Nord with a huge beard, bald head, and like a railway spike stuck in his eye socket. <laughs> <laughs> no, like just it's jutting like four or five inches out of his eye. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Yes, so it's like, okay. No, no context, it's just the guy exists, painted by an Altmer. Speaking of Altmer, if there's any reason to hate Altmer, uh, Man and Marco is definitely one of those reasons. No, yeah. no question. <laughs> like, like, we needed more reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to. <laughs> um, Alright, guys, so... so um. Let's uh, as I'm as I'm getting attacked here by probably vampires, necromancers. Um, you don't have to worry about vampires here in this cave. Well, that's that's good at least, I suppose. <laughs> it's a fish thing that you don't have to worry about. Let's um, let's head on over to to the reason why we're here in Skyrim uh, today, and that is to learn about uh, Potema, the Wolf Queen herself. And and for that, I humbly give the speaking stick to <laughs> Mike, our Tamrielic historian. So thank you very much. Uh, so in the history of, we're going to talk about Potema. Uh, so few his historical figures are viewed as unambiguously evil. But Potema, the so-called Wolf Queen of Solitude, surely qualifies for that dishonor. Born in the Imperial family in the 67th year of the Third Era, uh, the Wolf Queen uh, story begins. So from the book, so we have two series of books here. Uh, one is the biography of the Wolf Queen. And the other one is just called The Wolf Queen. Uh, and so I'm going to, you know, flip back and forth on some of these uh, things throughout this. So those are the two series of books you want to read if you want to read in depth. Uh, at the age of 14, uh, she was uh, considered to be famously beautiful. Doesn't hurt that, you know, her grandfather is at this point in time the emperor of all of Tamriel. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that had a, a hand in it. Yeah, and... Uh, like, what's her, her face from uh, Godfather 3? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when I think they get me out of it. <laughs> what was her name? Sophia... Something or other? She's, I don't know. Sophia a, Coppola? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. 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 Not attractive, but... Did you just drop your sword? No. Oh, okay. You no, know, you no. switched over. Yeah. Doing some type of healing thing. Oh, is okay. um is, is the, the music too loud, guys? No, the music's fine. No? Music's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Um... So to cement relationship with uh, the uh, Kingdom of Solitude, uh, she was married off to King Maniarco, not to be confused with Manamarco. <laughs> uh, no, you know, it would be, sorry, it would be cool if somehow he was involved, simply because she then becomes this powerful necromancer. Yeah. It would explain <laughs> a lot. Oh, that's very uh, true. So she entered the, the Solitude's court as kind of a pawn, but quickly rose to become... Uh, a queen and you know um, the elderly king uh, Maniarco loved her and allowed her all the power she wished which in the end was total um, after her wedding at age 14 uh, a year later her grandfather Uriel Septim II dies and her father is made emperor and uh, he's faced with uh, a uh, greatly depleted treasury so we probably have all heard the uh, problems with that Pelagius II picked up um, and how he dealt with it. So he dismissed all of the elder council 
And anybody that wanted to serve on the Elder Council, the only way to get onto the Elder Council was to buy your way back in to replenish his treasury. So... Uh, so that's where she's, you know, how we start her story. Uh, very much a pawn in, a, in an era where, you know, there's a lot of hatred for the Emperor due to her father due to the fact that powerful people, in order to get back on the council, now had to use their own money to get back on. So uh, when she starts here, she's faced with opposition from the old Nordic houses uh, who view her as an outsider. I mean, she is an Imperial. Uh, she is not... Um, you know, born from you know, her family's not from Skyrim. Uh, Maniarko had been a widower, uh, and uh, the former queen was loved by the populace. Uh, she left him with a son, um, Bareth, who was two years older than Baron Zaya, uh, and he really had no love for her at all. Um, and so the king and Bar or not Baron Zaya, uh, Potema, um, tried to have children and uh, they tried for 15 years wow. where she finally bore him a son and so um, 15 years and wow that's a lot of yeah uh, effort so quote from the book henceforth he said quietly uh, Begorth is no longer my heir he will be banished from the kingdom this child you have borne me today will grow to rule solitude and perhaps more said Potema he is the Emperor's grandson as well. We will name him Maniarko II. My darling, I would love that, said Potema, kissing the king's tear-streaked face. But may I suggest Uriel, after my grandfather, the Emperor, who brought us together in marriage. So what had happened was that um, the queen had a... The former queen had a summer home that uh, she frequented. And um, Potema, in order to secure her place and her son's place... Um, forged some letters between the uh, queen and uh, the captain of the guard uh, making it look like they were having an affair at this summer home and so it caused the king to disown the original his, his first son uh, as uh, a bastard child from the uh, uh, liaisons between the captain of the guard and the queen so we can see how she you know she works here you know with the deceit and uh Know, trying to get her way that way. Ah, so two years after the birth of uh, Uriel, um, Pelagius II, the uh, emperor, had died. Uh, many people say that it was due to poison uh, by a vengeful council member uh, and possibly even one of his sons. Uh, Potema's brother, Antioch, took the throne. At age 48, it could be said that Antioch's wild seeds had yet to be sown. And oh the historical books are nearly pornographic with their depiction of life at the imperial court during his reign. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's awful. So, sex and intrigue all over the place in, in these stories. Wow. Yeah, I guess who, I guess it kind of shines out there as to who may have, <clears throat> uh, who may have killed the emperor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, once again, uh, Potamus steps in here, and, uh, you know, she's gonna, you know, try and, uh, you know, make a push for her being the Empress. Uh, so, dear brother, I spoke to my mother last night, and she advised me very wisely. She said, I should not battle you in public for the good of our family and the Empire. Therefore, she said, 
producing from the folds of her robe a piece of paper. I am offering you a choice. A choice, said Antioch. Returning her smile. That does sound friendly. Abdicate your rights to the imperial throne voluntarily, and there is no need for me to show the council this. Fatima said, handing her brother the letter. It is a letter with your seal on it, saying that you knew that our father, that your father was not Pelagius Septim II, but the royal steward. Now, before you deny writing the letter, you cannot deny the rumors, nor that the Imperial Council will believe that your father, the old fool, was quite capable of being cuckold. Whether it is true or not, and whether the letter is a forgery or not, the scandal of it would ruin your chances for being emperor. Oh, boy. So once again, she's, you know, trying to, uh, you know, to deal with it in that kind of weird way that... uh, Backdoor no. politics kind of a way. Yeah. The, uh, the old uh, tried and true Game of Thrones way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Game of Thrones, she would have just had him assassinated. Well, uh, so yeah, I guess. Yeah. Antioch's face had gone white with fury. Don't fear, brother, said Potema, taking back the letter from his shaking hands. I will see to it that you have a very comfortable life and all the horrors your heart and other organs could desire. Suddenly, Antioch laughed. He looked over at his spymaster and winked. I remember you broke into my stash of Khajiit erotica and blackmailed it. That was close to 20 years ago. What? <laughs> We've gotten better locks now. You must have noticed. It must have killed you that you couldn't use your own skills to get what you wanted. Potema merely smiled. It doesn't matter, she told him. You must have charmed my servant here to getting you into my study to use my seal. Antioch smiled. A spell, perhaps, from your mother, the witch. Potema continued to smile. Her brother was cleverer than she thought. Did you know that charm spells, even powerful ones, only last so long? Of course you didn't. You never were one for magic. Let me tell you, a generous salary is no stronger motivation for keeping a servant in the long run, sister. Antioch took his own sheet of paper. Now I have a choice for you. What is that, Potema? Her smiling smile faltered. It looks like nonsense, but if you know what you're looking for, it's very clear. It's a practice sheet. Your handwriting attempting to look like my handwriting. It's good, a good gift you have. I wonder if you haven't done this before, imitating other person's handwriting. I understand a letter was found from your husband's dead wife saying that his firstborn was a bastard. I wonder if you wrote that letter. I wonder if I showed this evidence to, of your gift to your husband, whether he would believe you wrote the letter. In future, dear Wolf Queen, don't lay the same trap twice. So she's been called out, and her bid for the Empire, for the Empress ship, has failed at this point in time. I, I love the, um, it really does depict the, the cutthroat, uh, you know, uh, thrusts and counterthrusts of the Imperial Court. That even this guy really just wanted a life of hedonism, but he knew this is how you go about protecting that life if you're going yeah, to do it. Wow. In terms of Game of Thrones, he reminds me of uh, the uh, the dwarf character. A Tyrion. The, Tyrion, yeah. That, uh, you know, drinking and whoring and everything, but, you know, yes. masterful yes. tactician in terms of politics. Yeah. The, um, yeah, Tyrion, Tyrion's awesome. <laughs> I think everyone oh, yeah. likes him. No, okay. Best character in the show and the books. 
So, I don't know if, if you had noticed, like, just the beautifulness of the, the purple swirling magic inside this uh, chamber. Yeah, I actually, I was, I got a couple of uh, shots of, of that when I first walked in. And, um, what, I mean, is there anything about that that, that you can tell us? So they are attempting uh, to resurrect uh, the Wolf Queen here in this chamber, high up on the tower. And uh, it looks like they're drawing soul magic uh, into the area to do it. So it's not just reanimation of the dead, but, I mean, she's speaking to you every so often. Yeah, I, I noticed. Um, I was actually a little aggravated at that because I turned the voice volume off. This way we wouldn't have anyone, like, speaking over you. Uh, uh, it's fine to leave her on. <laughs> all right. It, it all seems right. like it's part of one of the uh, sound effects, but yeah. In any event, uh, let me see if I could take a quick peek here. Uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, certainly a lot of purple swirling going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for the next thirteen to twenty-one years, depending on the source that you read, um, Anchak ruled Tamriel and proved uh, an able leader despite his moral laxity. Uh, several historians point to proof that Potema cast the spell that ended her brother's life, but evidence one way or another is lost in the sands of time. Uh, in any event, both she and her son Uriel were visiting the Imperial Court when he died and uh, immediately challenged the rule once again, uh, this time to his daughter, uh, Kintaira. 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 Um, so, Kintaira. <laughs> Named after his particular love of, uh, of Congenia Erotica? Maybe. <laughs> um, so, from the Wolf Queen, Volume 5. Uh, little time was wasted before she came to her point. The Empress Grisalia unfortunately did nothing to temper my brother's lustful spirits. In point of fact, no whore in the slums of the city spread out on more beds than she. Wow, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. I know. You know, it just gets better and better as this story goes on. <laughs> Had she attended her duties to the Imperial Bedchamber more faithfully, we would have a true heir to the Empire, not the half-wit milksop bastard who called themselves the Emperor's children. The girl called Kintara is popularly believed to be the daughter of Grisalda and the captain of the guard. It may be that she is the daughter of Grisalda and the boy who cleans the cistern. We will never know for certain, oh, not burn. as certainly as we do know the lineage of my son, Uriel, the eldest true son of the Septim dynasty. My lords, the princes of the empire will not stand for a bastard on the throne. That I can assure you. It, it's interesting to see that she was setting up her son, like if she couldn't become empress, she was setting up her son to be a candidate for emperor, the, even in naming him. Because yes. she knew that it would be easier to get him on the throne if he had named like Uriel Septim, which would, you know, make you know it make him sound like he's supposed to be emperor. Right. Right. The uh, she's you can see she's she's got a she's got a plan here. She definitely utilizes the uh, you know five year, ten year, and twenty year plans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Code. She definitely uses that. Um. Incidentally, the next time I find myself uh, at work with a violent felon, I'm going to have to call him a uh, milksop bastard because that that was just hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of these old terms, like the insults, are hilarious that they oh, use. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and you know what? Though, as as funny as it is to hear, this is basically if in 
in political power struggles, you know, in medieval times. This is how you went about discrediting your uh, your opponent. If you wanted to be king, first thing you did was attack uh, the, your opponent's claim to the throne. You you insinuated that they weren't actually, you know, that they didn't actually have the claim they said they did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Watching so, uh, Lydia take on all of these uh, necromancers. Oh, she's doing a great job. Well, I had to take a step back and get, your coffee break. Get her. Uh, well, no, there was someone down here. One of the necromancers was getting her. Uh, was attacking her from behind. So I went down the steps to uh, finish that dude off, and I noticed that I had low health. So I healed myself, and then I whipped out healing hands and healed her, and then uh, helped her out. So she's she's a beast. Her and I. She we is such well. a tank. Yeah. Yeah, and you're really getting—you've really got the paladin thing down with using the laying on of hands and everything. That—that's part of the reason why. Look at her go. She's like uh, Potima over here. She hasn't even said a word, and Lydia's like, "I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna kill you! Well, I'm gonna kill you!" Uh, actually, Potima's up the the floaty ball of light. That's her. Yeah. Oh, so look up at the floating ball of light so we can get that for oh, all. Oh, the oh, 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 crap! Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. What's this do, Ray? Oh. If they ask you if you're a god, <laughs> say you're a god. <laughs> I'm a god. <laughs> yeah, a little late for that. Ah, uh, crap. <laughs> well, this is cool. If you, if you notice here that the ball of light is escaping, and that in no way will ever come back to bite you. <laughs> Lydia, let's get out of here before someone notices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, a book. <laughs> Um, okay, so mistakes back to, may back have to the been story made. here. <laughs> yeah, back back to the story. Go ahead. Uh, go so, Kentyra stood in the hall uh, the, with the Imperial Guard. She was but a child, but on reflection, Potema realized that at her age, she was al- already married two years to Maniarco. There was a similarity to be certain. Potema could see Kentyra as a young, the young queen, with dark eyes and pallid skin, smooth and result like marble. Anger flashed momentarily in Kintara's eyes, seeing her aunt, but emotion left her, replaced with calm imperial presence. Queen Potema, she said sternly, or serenely, I have been informed that my coronation will take place in two days' time. Your presence at the ceremony will not be welcome. I have already given orders to your servants to have your belongings packed, and an escort will be accompanying you back to your kingdom tonight. That is all. Goodbye, Aunt. Mm. Potema began to reply, but Kintara and her guard turned and moved back down the corridor to the stateroom. The Wolf Queen watched them go and then re-entered the map room. Sister-in-law, said Potema, addressing Balki with deep malevolence, you asked what I, what I do better than speaking? The answer is war. And so begins the War of the Red Diamond. We have Nerevar in the chat room. He can start singing Red Diamond for us. <laughs> or, or King Dumac. Righty, Mark. Two. Red Diamond. <laughs> Red Diamond. <laughs> so, Potema, the Wolf Queen of Solitude, had been banished from the court uh, once back to her kingdom. The queen began assembling the rebellion, which would be known as the War of the Red Diamond. All the alliances she had made over the years of disgruntled kings and nobles joined forces with her against the new empress. Uh, so it pitted Skyrim, uh, I think it was uh, High Rock, um, possibly some parts of Morrowind against the Empire. 
Well, I don't think Morrowind was. Oh no, never mind. Ignore me. It, Morrowind was part of the Empire at that point. Yeah, yeah. This is third era, so it's yeah, beginning part of third era. Uh, so back to the story of Wolf Queen Volume Six. Feeling a chill in the night air at the window, Kintaro Kintaira went to shut the latch. The two guards on the battlements were gone. She leaned over at the sound of a muffled struggle behind one of the barren trees and did not hear the door open. When she turned, she saw the Queen Potema and Menken, Duke of Glenpoint, in the room with a host of guards. You move quietly, Aunt, she said after a moment's pause. She turned to the Duke. What turns you against the loyalty to the Empire? Fear and gold, said the Duke simply. What happened to my army, asked Kintara, looking at Potema steadily in the face. Is the battle over so soon? All your men are dead, smiled Potema. But there was no battle here, merely quiet and efficient assassin- assassination. There will be battles ahead against Modulus in the Dragontail Mountains and against the remnants of the Imperial Army in the city. I'll send you regular updates on the progress of the war. So I am to be kept here as your hostage, asked Kintaira, flatly, suddenly aware of the solidity of the stones and the great height of her tower. Damn you, look at me. I am your empress. Think of it this way. I am taking you from being a fifth-rate ruler to being a first-rate martyr, said Potema with a wink. But I understand if you don't want to thank me for that. So she has her niece killed off. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And actually, no, it, it's interesting. Like, this this all happens in Glenpoint. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence, uh, but in Daggerfall, um, the majority of High Rock, if it comes to, like, Canthropes, um, you are basically dealing with werebores. Except for in Glenpoint, where there is an abundance of werewolves. So, it was just, you know, like, Wolf Queen, this is really the only place where you find a lot of werewolves. It's just a weird little coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Um, <clears throat> now, now you were saying before we, we started the stream that the, uh, the second quest here uh, for, the, uh, for the Wolf Queen is started when a... Um, um, oh, actually, Avarwin, if you could step a little flo- forward towards Castle Dower and look at the flag over the, over the entrance... Um, because like, you know, the, the reason Potema is called the wolf queen, like she was always described as like the, uh, a wolf ready to pounce and that type of thing. Yeah. But if you look at the flag, you know, she was queen. She was actually the queen of solitude. The flag go. is, uh, of, of course, solitude, which is the wolf. And this is the other reason that she was called the wolf queen. Yep. You have the wolf and the bear. So the wolf of solitude and the bear of, um, Windhelm. A Windhelm, yeah. And those are the the representative East and West Kingdoms of Skyrim. Because right now, in the second era, when we're um, um, in ESO, we're in the Eastern Kingdom. We have uh, the um, Eastmarch and the the Rift available to us. And the Western Kingdoms have not entered into the pact yet. Yeah, there's a lot of bear symbology out there, too. Yep. Um, Alright, so, yeah, what I was wondering is, uh, you know, I was supposed to get a, a guy coming up to me, a courier coming up to me, and I, I haven't gotten that, so... Well, you gotta leave, you've gotta leave uh, Yalmarch in completely. So that's what, probably fast travel to, like, White Run or something like that. Okay. Um, and then, uh, 
hopefully, you know, a courier will come to you uh, and say, hey, Falk Firebeard wants to talk to you again. And you'll be like, damn it, I was just there. Why couldn't he talk to me when I was there? <laughs> well, I travel halfway across from... the world. <laughs> so uh, you, you, when, you, uh, when you defeated the Necromancers, you didn't happen to, to accidentally release anything, did you? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, I think maybe Lydia did. But, uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so we might have to fight some stuff. All right, I'll, I'll... a little while. You, you know, Courier will eventually come up to you. Oh, my God, that's so strange. Like, I'm so used to seeing my game where I have added uh, some mods. And the exterior of, of Whiterun in this area actually has trees and all kinds of, like, other stuff. To see it in its vanilla form... It's so stark and barren. <laughs> the it, stables look like you know, yeah, so strange. Well, do you do you know off the top of your head what mod that might be? Uh, it's one of the uh, enhanced cities mods, uh, exterior of Whiterun. Gotcha. Uh, and so it makes it look beautiful out there. You know, it, it's a a boulevard with some trees, and uh, it it tidies up the stables, plants flowers all in this area. I don't. I don't know. I just. I like the open plains of the, of it. I just. You know. I. I really think it gives the white run hold it, uh, a nice feel to it. To, to well, just the thing the is, it makes the, the. It makes the city feel like it's lived in because you have a con- condensation of people there, and, um, you know, they're going to plant trees and flowers and stuff like that all around to make the city look beautiful, versus being out in the open field, the open plains. And, uh, you know, this just looks like, well, they just plopped the city right there in the middle of those open plains and didn't, you know, haven't really lived there. So. All right. Um, well, we're going to, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get the courier and I'll, I'll get the second part of the quest. If we don't, we don't, no big deal. Um, but, uh, let's, let's head back to, uh, to, to, uh, to Mike so we can, uh, we can finish up our, uh, our, our story on Potema. And we got two more volumes to get through here. I mean, her story is huge. Yeah. Um, so a young Redguard woman was wearing the crest of Gillian, uh, was carry, but carried a white flag. Potema allowed her to approach. Like the courier from the morning, the rider was well travel-worn. Your Highness, she said, out of breath, I have been sent from your brother, my Lord King Sephros, to bring you dire news. Your son, Uriel, was captured in... Thingdag on the field in battle and from there transported to Gillian I know this said Potema scornfully I have couriers of my own you tell your master that after I have won this battle I'll pay whatever ransom or exchange your highness an angry crowd met the caravan your son was in before it made it to Gillian the rider said quickly your son is dead he has been burned to death within his carriage he is dead so her chances there of placing her son on the throne are now over and done with. Oh, boy. Now, during this point in time, though, uh, he had proclaimed himself as emperor. So now we have two emperors on the throne at the same time. Uh, the uh, Her brother and her son. And now her son is dead. So from volume eight. The wrath of the wolf, wolf queen cometh. Yeah. So the, this uncle, Sephiroth, was thereupon proclaimed emperor and rode to the imperial city. The troops 
Formerly loyal to Emperor Uriel and his mother, the Wolf Queen, Potema pledged themselves to the new Emperor. In return for their support, the nobility of Skyrim, High Rock, Hammerfell, Somerset Isles, Valenwood, Blackmarsh, and Morrowind demanded and received a new level of autonomy and independence from the Emperor. The War of the Red Diamond had ended. When Sephiroth had proclaimed was proclaimed Emperor, Potema's fury was terrible to behold. She summoned Daedra to fight for her, had her necromancers resurrect her fallen enemies as undead warriors, and mounted an attack after attack on the forces of the, empi- of the Emperor. Her allies began leaving her as her madness grew, and her only companions were the zombies and skeletons she had amassed over the years. The Kingdom of Solitude became a land of death. Stories of the ancient Wolf Queen began being waited on by rotting skeleton chambermaids and holding war plans with vampiric generals terrified her subjects. So thus is the necromantic madness of the Wolf Queen. I, I have to wonder if if she actually felt real um, loss, you know, like if she actually was grieving her son and that was part of why she turned mad or if it was all just years and years and years of planning has gone to waste. Yeah. You know, like, I kind of want to believe that there is at least that human part of her that she actually did care for her son. But at the same time, I it, it almost feels like, no, it was just pl- pure political machination. So if you head back towards uh, uh, Whiterun there, uh, there's that cave with bandits. Maybe if we initiate some combat here, that'll help too. Sure. You do that. So one last thing here, uh, setting up for a future episode. I used to know someone named Pelagius, the old woman said, and slowly smiled. Are you here alone, Pelagius? My father is, with the army, storming the castle, but he'll be back when the walls have been breached. Which I dare say won't take too much longer, sighed the old woman. Nothing, no matter how well built, tends to last. Are you buying something in the Mages Guild? I wanted to buy a gift for my uncle, said Pelagius, but I don't know if I have enough gold. The old woman left the boy to look over the wares while she went to the guild's enchanter. He was a young Nord, ambitious and new to the Kingdom of Solitude. It took little persuasion and a lot of gold to convince him to remove the charm spell from the soul gem and imbue it with a powerful curse. A slow poison that would drain wisdom from its wearer year by year until he... Or she lost all reason. She also also purchased a cheap ring of fire resistance. For your kindness to an old woman, I've bought you these, she said, giving the boy the necklace and the ring. You can give the ring to your uncle and tell him it has been enchanted with a levitation spell. So if ever he needs to leap from high places, it will protect him. The soul gem is for you. (laughs) Thank you, said the boy. But this is too kind of you. Kindness has nothing to do with it, she answered quite honestly. You see, I was in the Hall of Records at the Imperial Palace once or twice, and I read about you in the foretellings of the Elder Scrolls. You will be Emperor one day, my boy, Emperor Pelagius Septim III, and with this soul gem to guide you, pos- prosperity will always, posterity will always remember you and your deeds. With these words, the old woman disappeared down an alley behind the Mage's Guild. Pelagius looked after her, but he didn't think to search behind the heap of stones. If he had, he would have found a tunnel under the city to the very heart of Castle Solitude. 
And if he had found his way there, he would have found, past the shambling undead and the moldering remains of a once grand palace, the bedroom of the queen. Mm-hmm. In that bedroom, he would have would find the wolf queen of solitude in repose, listening to the sounds of her caps, castle collapsing, and would have seen a toothless grin growing on her face as she breathed her last. Hmm. So we can see that uh, we set up for Pelagius the Mad, and... Uh, you know, killing off her brother by a gift of a le- levitation spell ring that isn't a levitation spell ring. <laughs> very, uh, very cool. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. That is great. Um, all right, so, so there it is. A um, little bit on on Potima. The uh, Wolf Queen. Uh, you know, obviously, this is an extremely um, uh, summarized portion of, of what's actually in these books. You know, uh, go check them out yourself. There's many apps out there that you can download uh, where these um, these books are are available to you uh, to to read. Not just not just in game, so you don't you don't have to feel like you're you've got to be in game and, and take time out of your gaming to to read this stuff. Um, definitely go check it out because uh, the the Wolf Queen is is a, a very interesting character. So yeah, I mean, there's the eight volumes of the Wolf Queen. There's the biography of the Wolf Queen. There's uh, books on the War of the Red Diamond. Um, so there's just tons of material, uh, and so I tried to make it a narrative here so that uh, it would be interesting for people. Yeah. So hopefully people enjoyed uh, learning a little bit here about the Wolf Queen uh, from the stories in the game. Yeah, great job, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, now off to the Sonarist archives. Uh, we learned a little bit about about uh, the character herself. Uh, we've got Mark over here who's going to tell us what the character has meant to to the series. Yeah. Well, I mean, Patema is actually one of the oldest characters in the series. I mean, she's been around for so long. I mean, back in Arena, she's not in Arena. I'm sorry, guys. I can't find... She's not in Arena. Nothing's ever in Arena. <laughs> I wonder if they have pervy uh, spider Daedra in Arena. No, apparently they don't. I looked into it. They don't even have Daedra in Arena. But they've what got... What they have do? in Arena? They have Daemons. <laughs> Metamarco. No, they didn't have Metamarco. No, as again, the, the Arena... They have a real septum. That's it. They've got a real septum. <laughs> and a map. And a map. Yeah, that's it. That, that's the entirety of it. But you know so what? Even even you know, heads up when we do our Daedra episode. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Arena then either. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though, uh, that's that's how badass uh, Uriel the Septim uh, Uriel Septim the Seventh is. Oh yeah, he shows up in games that aren't even Elder Scrolls games. He's in Arena. <laughs> <laughs> but, All right. Yeah. So no, but but I remember reading about Potema back in Daggerfall. I mean, um, she's she's mentioned, and the War of the Red Diamond is mentioned in uh, A Brief History of the Empire. Uh, and, of course, then the uh, the story of the Wolf Queen then becomes expanded on in Morrowind and then continues on through the series. So, really, this quest line that you're currently doing, Avarwin, is, is basically the payoff for almost 15 years, if not more, of actual story of lore which wow. I just I found that fascinating because it's really you know I mean let's face it when they added Potema in I some in Daggerfall I somehow doubt that they were planning this quest line then 
Yeah, well, one of the best parts about about Elder Scrolls is is how they, no matter how old a game might be, they if they find something that they can pick up on in a new game, years later they will. I mean, you know what what uh, characters did we read about and learn or know about in in um, in Morrowind? That was just never resolved. It might be resolved in Elder Scrolls Six or Seven. Who, who knows? I'm just oh, yeah. hoping that there's some characters that we start seeing here in Skyrim that we will continue to see the history of them grow uh, as we continue on in the series. That, um, you know, I mean, Skyrim did a great job wrapping up Potema here with the Wolf Queen uh, and some of these other characters that we're going to talk about, but I'm really hoping that uh, they continue to build some of them up. Yeah. I mean, like, with the Night Mother, I mean, she be- we were introduced to the idea that she was a rotting corpse, or you know, a rotting mummified corpse back in Oblivion, and then she becomes actually a very rather important part of uh, of what you're doing in uh, here in Skyrim. You know, basically, her being in Skyrim is the last attempt to actually keep the Brotherhood alive. And frankly, I'd love to see more on Cicero in later games. Yeah. He's he's just one of those characters that's been become sort of iconic. Yeah, you know, chronically I, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those, um, you know, th- there are a lot of other characters. I mean, we see Baron Zaya throughout the games, and we, he- we hear about her in Daggerfall. Um, I think she actually might be mentioned in Arena, because Daggerfall in the... I can't remember myself, and I haven't been able to find a very good... Um, a, lot of, a lot of good entries on exactly what happens at different points in Arena, but it, it, her involvement in Arena is is spoken about or in the events of it. Um, but then when we get to Morrowind, you actually interact with her directly, and then later on in the game, in uh, the game, even in Skyrim, you still see more of her influence. So, you know, different characters. Um, they they seem to have a lot of uh, you know little bits of lore that eventually have payoff. Uh, the dwarves, for example, you know the dwarves. You first find uh, the at first the only thing you find out about them is um, uh, is that they in Daggerfall where you can see items that they've made, and then in Redguard you get to learn a little bit about them. You find out that they had disappeared in um, you know that they somehow just magically disappeared in. Uh, you get to Morrowind, and then you actually get to learn a bit more about the circumstances surrounding their disappearance. And then here, when you get to Skyrim, you actually get a little bit of payoff to all that when you can actually see kind of what their disappearance might have looked like because of uh, one of the quests in the Mages Guild. Yeah, Yeah, and that's actually one of my favorite quests in the Mages Guild, especially at the end where uh, you basically have to attune a soul gem, and uh, one of the Mages has you pick up Keening for him, the the dagger for, uh, from that was used to sort of attune the the heart of Lorcan back in Morrowind, and he he's trying to figure out what happened to the dwarves. He takes the he takes Keening and smacks this specially attuned soul gem. Nothing happens, and then he just gets really mad and just keeps smacking it over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, there's this big blinding tone, and he's he's just disappeared completely. Hey, Barwing. Try sleeping for like twenty four hours. See if that causes the uh, the courier to come see you. All right. 
Yeah. And if that doesn't work, try maybe going into, uh, like, Whiterun City itself. Maybe that'll... So I find that sometimes it helps to go into a city. Yeah, I, I, I went into uh, into another city. Oh, okay. Went back into solitude and I'm coming back out. and We'll see. Freaking couriers not doing their jobs. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah, I also may not be high high enough level. I'm I'm level twenty two. I'm I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah, uh, it it shouldn't be requiring that high of a level out of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, another thing that uh, that pay you know that has some payoff is is everything with the graybeards and the thuum. Uh, they're first mentioned in the guide to the empire. Uh, that's the first time you ever hear about them. You hear how the, they announced Tiber Septum as the Dragonborn. Um, there's a couple of odd things, like they're described as actually keeping themselves gagged all the time, and this was odd because they actually took their gags off. Okay. Um, you know, when they actually then announced him. And it's also interesting because on the same thing, uh, the Altmer, who's sort of annotating the, the Guide to the Empire... Uh, makes a comment about how he doesn't believe um, wh- uh, he doesn't believe some of the things that's being said because the Thuum is apparently uh, is supposed to be a banned magic that no one like it's supposed to be something that no one is supposed to be allowed to use. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that I guess they they eventually it's it's one of those pieces of lore they eventually decided to just drop. Um, yeah, because it would have gotten in the way of, of you know, a story. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it really, I also start while doing research for this, I realized that a lot of payoffs for lore seems to be coming out of um, out of Skyrim. You know, uh, you had Car- like Carlia herself is is a smaller payoff. You know, we had you know the real Baron Zaya talks about uh, back in Daggerfall. This book came out. And it talks about her being seduced by the bard Nightingale. And in that book, it talks about how that was actually Jaeger Tharn and, um, every, and part of him getting the Staff of Chaos to get the, everything going in Arena. But then here we learn that, no, actually, that event was not Tharn, but it, redu- it produced a child. So that little event in lore comes out with a care an NPC that you meet for what two hundred no actually yeah about two three hundred years later hmm. after the event yeah that's why I was saying earlier it's it's funny um Jeez. I'm like stuck in combat music and all that it's really annoying <laughs> um I was it, wondering why you keep going back and forth to the audio it, yeah because I'm I'm the the uh, the game has bugged out and um i'm stuck with with combat music and i tried like going to the you know turning off the game and and coming back but didn't it didn't fix it it wouldn't uh, be a uh, elder scrolls game without some type of weird bug yeah exactly <laughs> welcome to the elder scrolls <laughs> um so in any event uh yeah that's what i was saying like it's 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 uh it's always cool to know that at some point you know you're going to hear about Either in a small way or a large way, a uh, an old character from a previous Elder Scrolls game, and uh, with so many that we've met in in uh, in Skyrim, it's uh, it's exciting to, to to think of the idea that you know we might be coming up with um, 
either these characters or the ideas of them in in future installments too maybe even in elder scrolls online i i hope they uh you know, I hope Bethesda and Zoss are, are kind of working together to say, like, okay, so what do you, what quest we're thinking about doing this quest? Are you doing that for for the next Elder Scrolls game? All right, how are you doing it? All right, so let's see if we can you know drop little hints in our game uh, for yeah. that. Well, that's actually one of the other things. As another bit of payoff was um, the whole game arena is Mayrun's Dagon is invading the Battle Spire, which is sort of this. Uh, it's almost its own obli- minor Oblivion realm, which sits between the Mundus and Oblivion itself. So it's sort of it sits. It's a place that sits in the spot between, and it actually has um, a, a bunch of gates in it that allow the access to basically realms that are Oblivion, you know, in Oblivion, like the like Hercene's uh, hunting grounds and everything else like that. But also to things that aren't quite as defined, like the Soul Cairn. So he's invading this because he can then use that to move on into the Mundus and invade there. Well, and he's, you know, everything there is sort of, uh, his plans are stymied at first because the, um, the people that are in the battle spire break the different, uh, uh, artif- or break the different things that are used to create these portals so that, uh, he can't just have all, you know, Dagon can't just send his people through into the Mundus. But then at the same time, you know, it, it's, it sort of telegraphs his invasion that will occur when we get to, you know, that occurs when we actually get to Oblivion. So, you know, you, you had this one game that was telling you that eventually this guy is going to get here and it's going to be bad. Yeah. So, oh, dragon time. Yeah, sounds like uh, we got ourselves a dragon on the way here. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when the courier shows up. <laughs> right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that would not shock me in the least bit. I, I think I've had at least one time where the courier shown up as I was fighting a dragon. And he's like, I've got a message for you. No, shut up. There's a dragon about. <laughs> Your hands only. <laughs> I'm dying. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, one thing that I've noticed, though, is that like it seems the games really don't there there aren't a for the amount of lore there aren't a huge number of long-term attempts at pay, you know at uh, place a hint here and it will come to fruition here you know there there aren't a huge number of long-term attempts for that i mean again like with uh redguard introduced the idea of the of the it didn't introduce the idea of the nervarine or anything but introduce the sudden rise of the tribunal, and uh, event you know then in the next game Morrowind we actually get to see what you know we actually get to f- decide what happens with the tribunal. We get to see its downfall. Um, but really, everything I've mentioned is pretty much all I can think of for sort of the long term um, effects that you often see with characters. Oh, um, I Manamarco. I, I forgot to mention that, uh, you know, he shows up in Daggerfall and then you see him trying and taking over the Mages Guild again in uh, in Oblivion. Okay. But sorry. All right. Anything else, Mark? Uh, there, just I was also thinking that there have been some missed opportunities that um, the series has in the lore that it would be wonderful for them to bring back or just that they never seem to have uh, brought up. For example, like in Markarth, 
Well, the first guide to the Empire says that Tiber Septum sets up uh, an academy to teach the Thum in Markarth. And that I think that would have been a really fascinating thing to have in there. Mm. Um, at the same time, in uh, Redguard, you're introduced to uh, this sword that holds the soul of uh, the Prince of Hammerfell. And it's it's basically the final, you know, this really impressive weapon you have for the final uh, mission in the game. I think, you know, and then we never see or hear from that sword again. I think that uh, you have this whole quest line where you have a bunch of Red Guards looking for this woman named Sadia. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it would have made perfect sense to have had her, uh, when she fled, take that sword with her. And, you know, so basically you then have the option of you give her back with the sword or you get rid of the people that are trying to catch her and she gives you the sword as a reward. Mm. You know, like it's though I th- like I think that it'd be nice to see them work a couple more of these long term things in. But every once in a while, like it just especially with the sword, I think that's a missed opportunity right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our fast question of the week. Um, here it is, guys. What historical Tamrielic figure would we like to see as subjects of quests in future Elder Scrolls games? Mark. Uh. Sorry, uh, the Camorn Usurper I mentioned before, and uh, yeah, okay. and he'd be he'd be awesome. What about you, Mike? Oh, that's a, a tough one. Um, I'd like to see somebody out of the Kajidi histories because I'd like to see that. Like, um, I can't remember the, the the person's name right off the top of my head right now, but like they talked about like. The, the king of the two um, the two uh, ep, um, not empires but you know the two kingdoms of after uh, the Kajidi uh, provinces all collapsed and were reunified after the Lycian plague to see some of those characters I think mm. okay um, I'd like to see now I'd like to see um, something about Saint uh, Saint Alessia you know I'm not I've, I don't think I've ever done a quest with uh with her story involved and um yeah you'd expect there to be relics or or something to have survived well you've got that you've got that huge (laughs) (laughs) uh, you've got that huge castle there's a giant castle in oblivion um that that is tied to to uh you know the her the story of her coming from Skyrim and, and uh, you know taking over, um, but I, I mean I've never done a, a quest, so I'm not sure if one exists. So if it does, I apologize. Uh, but the fact is, is I would love to to do a quest on on her on her character on her story, something. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see now. Um, emails. Yeah, we've got uh we've got a pretty awesome email here. Uh go ahead, Mike. Okay, so we got yeah, th- this these last two emails that we've had for classic have been incredible. So, you know, if people want to send emails, you know, these are some of the best that we've had. And so here's the second one that we've had. Hello all. Love your podcast and I had two lore related questions. I was recently playing through the Alakir region of ESO and noticed some similarities between the Red Guards and the Dunmer in their attitudes towards necromancy and veneration of the dead. I also noticed a few differences in the details. 
Is there anything in the lore to explain this? Do they come from any common set of beliefs that then diversified over time? Or are there any similarities at all? Maybe I'm seeing things that aren't there. And my second question, while playing Skyrim, I watched the loading screen and I read, In days of old, when dragons ruled the earth, there lived mortal men who worshipped the beasts as gods. These dragon priests are long since dead, but something has awoken them from their ancient slumber. He must be playing on PS3, because that's a lot of words to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I thought that tradition has it that the Nords came to Tamriel from the continent of Atmora in ancient days. And Skyrim, also known as the Old Kingdom, or the Fatherland, was the first region of Tamriel settled by humans. I'm trying to piece together a timeline from coming from Atmora, founding the first human kingdom, and worshipping the dragons. How do these pieces fit? Am I missing something? It sounds like they have two competing creation myths. I looked at the timeline on UESP pages, and the first mention of dragons was when the last holdouts were defeated. Thank you for your assistance. For any assistance you can provide, and thank you for taking the time to read this email. Uh, thank you for all that you do, Justin. So, really got, nice email. Good questions. Yeah, yeah, those are amazing questions. So, I actually spent quite a bit of time doing some research on this for him. Uh, so, first thing, Justin, don't mistake the uh, fervent respect for the dead that the Red Guards have uh, with the ancestor worship that the Dunmers have. Uh, so, let's explore this a little bit here. Uh, we're going to start with the. Uh, the Red Guards, because we've covered the Dunmer quite extensively over the last two months now. Mm -hmm. uh, so from the Reverence for the Dead, uh, Brother Opio Congonius. Con <laughs> uh, yeah. You can tell I'm horrible with, with names. So uh, The Red Guards revere their departed ancestors so fervently that it rivals the devotion many other races have for their gods. While a Breton may place a casket in ornately arched consecrated grounds, a Nord may place a wind-dried body on a shelf in a burial vault. The Red Guard design and erect vast funerary structures for their dead that are as awe-inspiring as they are extensive. The thread of honor that binds the Red Guards from before birth to beyond death is strong. These soaring and massive mausoleums are the purest representations of the undiluted Yukudin architecture built to propel spirits to a meeting with their punitive gods. The Far Shores is an afterlife sought by the Red Guards. According to the Yakutan myth, Sakatel, the serpentine god of everything, eats itself over and over, periodically consuming all of creation. By moving at strange angles to stride between world skins, a process known as the walkabout, the strongest of the spirits learn to bypass this cycle of destructions. Thanks to Rupka's guidance, many weaker spirits were able to find their way as well, and the practice became so easy that it became a place, the far shores. Here the spirits can safely wait until Satakal has passed and a new skin has emerged. Hmm. So, from Tuatka's prayer, Tuatka, God of the far shores, we ask for your blessing and guidance on this completed walkabout. May she appear before your throne in virtue and strength. Lead her along the path of the stars and show her the way. Prepare her for the life to come as our honored ancestor with her sword at her side. So thus necromancy interrupts this traversing to the far shores. And by reanimating a corpse or binding the soul, it pulls them from the possibility of making it to the far shores 
and eventual reincarnation. So that's, I think, a lot to do with why the Red Guards have such reverence for the, the, the dead and why they, you know, refuse to, you know, in the one quest in ESO, they refuse to actually deal with the animated corpses on the docks. And that's why they need you to go and do it. Yeah, they, they literally have a, a cast of, uh, of outcasts that are, they go around and make sure that, you know, if there are undead, they're the only ones that are allowed to destroy it. Or that are, you know, yeah, that actually will strike the dead. Um, I don't know if it's, yeah, it might be because they're, they feel any sort of striking of the dead does interfere with it or some, interfere with their passing on or something. But yeah, it, it is that extreme. Yeah, and I actually they're felt- trying to kill their own, you know, people yeah. at, at that point in time. Because, you know, even though they're dead and they're a reanimated corpse, they're still their ancestor. Yeah. And actually, I find it, uh, I believe that this is, this um, addition that ESO made to their lore comes from uh, Redguard. Because you had an island off the coast of Strauss Mackay that it had been uh, a slowed necromancer named Nagasta. Uh, basically decided that it would make a good place for him to uh, make a very good place for him to settle set up because the island itself was used as um, a burial ground for criminals well he starts raising the undead and the red guards do nothing to try to get rid of him yeah you know and you would you would think that well they're not going to stand for that but it make if it does make sense that if they're that terror if they are that unwilling to to harm the dead, to fight them, that they would just say, okay, he's on the island and he's not going to be bringing, there's no way for him to bring his, um, his guys, you know, the, his army over. We'll just leave him there. You know, we, we'd rather not, you know, we're just asking, we don't want to ask for a fight that is just going to be that gruesome and require, you know, require us to break so many taboos. Yeah, well, they uh, they also are horribly afraid of of magic, so um, they, they probably regard you know the the uh, undead as as a manifestation of some of the the most powerful magic, and it's probably a good portion of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything so else, now, Mike? if we look at the ancestors of the Dunmer here and uh, w- their worshiping of them. Uh, if we remember back to the Akatosh Lorcan episode, uh, we remember that the Aldmer, these are the people that all of the uh, Myrrh of Tamriel derived from, uh, believe that they're direct ancestors of divine beings that were tricked into physical form and made mortal. Uh, thus, uh, necromancy is the rebinding of the ancestor spirit back to a now corrupt physical form. Uh, it goes further with the Dunmer as um, we talked about the tribunal as the three living gods, and they're derived from the Anticipations, which are the Daedra, Mafala, Azura, and um, Boethia. And ancestral worship now includes these powerful spirits. So if we look at the book of Ghost Walks Among Them, uh, the departed spirits of the Dunmeri, and perhaps those of all races persist after death. The knowledge and power of departed ancestors... Um, benefit the bloodlines of the Dunmary houses. The bond between the family, living family members and the immortal ancestors is partially blood, partially ritual, and partially volatational. A member brought into a house through marriage binds himself through ritual and oath into the clan and gains communication and belief with the clan's ancestors. 
However, his access to the ancestors is less than his, uh, his offspring, and he retains some access to the ancestors of his own bloodline. Human cultures in Tamriel are ignorant and fearful of the Dark Elves and their culture, considering them to be inhumane and evil, like orcs and Argonians, but more sophisticated the human populations of Tamriel associates Dunmeri ancestor worship and spirit magic with necromancy. In fact, this association of the Dark Elves with necromancy is at least partially responsible for their dark reputation of Dunmer throughout Tamriel. It is generally an ignorant misconception, for necromancy outside the acceptable clan rituals is most abhorrently abomination in the eyes of the Dunmer. The Dark Elves would never think of practicing sorcerous necromancy on any Dark Elf or on any remains of any Elf. However, Dark Elves consider the human and orcish races, races to be little more than animals. There is no injunction against necromancy upon such remains and or any remains of animal or bird. So, we can see why, you know, there is a big change between the two and the value that they place on the souls of their own people and why necromancy is abhorred uh, by one, um, the Red Guards, completely and totally, and by the Dunmer as, you know, a strange ancestral magic. Uh, not And necromancy not to be used on Dark Elves themselves. Huh. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so then if we want to tackle the second half of his question... Uh, about the dragons. Uh, so in the Marathic area, uh, Ysgrimor first set foot on Tamriel. Uh, his people brought with them a faith and worship of animal gods. They defined the hawk, wolf, snake, moth, owl, whale, bear, fox, and dragon. Now, remember, if you've gone into any of the uh, the, the crypts, you'll see those stones that you have to turn yeah, or the, the dragon claws. Yeah. They'll have those on there. Uh, dragons being dragons embraced their role as god kings over men. After all, they were not were they not fashioned out of Akatosh's own images? Were they not superior in every way to the hordes of small, soft creatures that worshipped them? For dragons' power equals truth, and they had the power, so therefore it must be truth. Dragons granted small amounts of power to the dragon priests in exchange for absolute obedience. In turn, the dragon priests ruled men as equals to the kings. Dragons, of course, could not be bothered with actual ruling. In Atmora, where Yskimor and his people came from, the dragon priests demanded tri tribute and set down laws and codes for living that kept peace between the dragons and men. In Tamriel, they were not so benevolent. Sometime during or soon after the migrations to Tamriel, the dragon cult began to assess more influence and became much more malevolent. malevolent. From their capital... Borjamir in modern-day Jalmarch, they ruled Skyrim with an iron fist, effectively enslaving the populace. While what had led to change was lost to historians, it is likely caused by Alduin, the firstborn of Akatosh and the leader of the dragons, who had chosen to forsake his role as world leader in favor of conquering Mundus for himself. Men eventually rebelled in the late Marathic and leading to the ancient dragon wars. So a lot of this is from uh, the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages and uh, compiled from different books that they have there. Uh, but we can see that the worship of dragons started in Atmora. Uh, they came to Tamriel and set up uh, the 
first uh, Nordic kingdoms. Uh, the dragon uh, priests were there and uh, took more and more power. And then we have the late Marathic, where we get the end of Skyrim, where we get to go back and see the banishment of Alduin into time. Um, and so from that point on, the dragon priests continued to lose power uh, and then set up themselves with their crypt and their draugr to await the return of uh, Alduin uh, in the future. So, okay. Yeah. That's the timeline. Not much I can add to that. <laughs> so right, I really, thanks. really enjoyed this question. And then the question we had uh, um, a couple weeks back there with the, um, well, we were playing uh, ESO uh, running through Morrowind. Uh, both of them were thought provoking where we had to go and actually look up the answers and provide uh, some good stuff. So, you know, if you've got a question and want to know more about a specific lore topic, you know, give us a, a send us an email, you know, yeah. write out what it is that you want to know and, uh, ex you know, or tr contrast and compare and we'll do our best to, you know, come up with something for you and, uh, you know, present it on the show. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much for the, um, for the email and, uh, you know, Mike, of course, for all of the, uh, the research you did in order to answer properly. Um, that's the end of our show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, final thoughts, starting with Mark. Uh, yeah, no, this was a great show. I mean, it's, Potemo really is just one of these super interesting characters. And I really like how, um, how they included her, not only in one quest in Skyrim, but in two. Speaking of which, I think we need to lodge a protest with the Couriers Union here in Skyrim yeah, because that guy's just, you know, dragging his butt on this. Guys, uh, guys off his game today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing I've noticed that. is you can't kill the couriers. Like, they just take a knee. So we've got to find a mod for that, too, because, you know, he really needs to have an arrow. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> what can you do? I'm sure there's uh, there's some sort of, con you know, console workaround that, you know, uh, we'll, yeah. that, that we could have used, but, you know. I see you just found old Haraldin. Uh, maybe next week we should, or maybe next show we should do uh, Tiber Septum. Maybe, yeah. yeah something to think got, about. I think that this group of Skyrim quests is all going to be famous people. Yeah. Sounds fun. Uh, what about you, uh, Mike? What's your uh, final thoughts on this? I had a really good time with this. Uh, I've always enjoyed the uh, the Wolf Queen quest line. Uh, it's the way that you end up really getting to own uh, Proud Spire Manor. So, you know, hopefully it doesn't bug out on you here, and hopefully the courier shows up eventually someday that... You'll be able to buy the big house. Yeah, I'll figure it out eventually. Um, well, thank you to uh, to Mike and Mark. Uh, of course, uh, it was a, a uh, fantastic show. Uh, all the uh, research you guys did was great. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I had fun playing, and uh, hopefully, I'll be able to uh, get uh, more into into uh, into the quest. Um, so. Uh, that'll be it for today. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, the Stitcher Radio app, QuestGamingNetwork.com, and of course on YouTube, YouTube.com slash QuestGamingNetwork. Uh, folks, please uh, hit that subscribe button. We uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Mike at KDRMickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. 
Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. That's C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. I'm Avarwin. You can follow me at Avarwin. That's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. And you can follow the show at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. Classic Elder Scrolls is a Quest Gaming Network production. Uh, time to say goodbye. Let's start with Mike. Have a good one, everybody. I have to get out there and mow the lawn today. <laughs> About that time. Uh, Mark. Uh, well, thank you. Know, have a good uh, weekend, everyone. If you're Canadian, enjoy the... Uh, the uh, the two four weekend uh, it's Victoria Day weekend so we're having that off and uh, come join me tomorrow at nine thirty Eastern Standard Time and we're continuing uh, our exploration of the Battle Spire we're in the Soul Cairn and uh, those ghosts just they hit you hard they send you flying across the room all right take care everyone be safe and as always may the foos be with you.